The series you're about to listen to contains comedic references to death, light adventure violence, and swearing. Timestamped content notes, as well as a list of every character mentioned in this episode, can be found in the description. and ghouls and welcome to quest friends hereafter an improvised fiction podcast using the under the neighborhood role-playing system i am kyle he him and today i my four best friends and some dice are going to tell you a story about a world where the lands of the living and the dead are just a plane ride apart and if those words mean absolutely nothing to you except for fiction and maybe podcast Don't worry about it, we're going to explain all of this as we go along. That being said, if you'd like a bit of a primer before we get started, we do have an episode zero, which you can find right next to this in the feed or list or wherever you're getting this episode. That'll go over everything from what is a podcast, what is a role-playing game, all the way over to the specifics of our system and a little bit of fun insight into the world that we're playing today. Again, by no means is this mandatory, but if you find yourself confused at any point, I'd encourage you checking it out. Before we get started, though, I am not the only person here today in your ear talking about fiction with a role-playing podcast. I've got four other players with me today, so could everyone go around and quickly introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Tom. My pronouns are he, him, and I will be playing Hilda Miskevich, whose pronouns are she, her, and she is the guardian who pulls pranks. I'm Hallie, and I will be playing Sparky Malarkey, the intuition who investigates. My pronouns are she, her, and Sparky Malarkey's pronouns are also she, her. Do I say my character's entire name? I assume I will only say (laughs) his nickname. Do I say his entire name? Please say his whole name. It is up to you, but I invite you to say the whole name. We want this in our hearts. Okay. Hello, I'm Ari, pronouns she, her, and I will be playing Aurelio Enrique Hueso Canaca, or Kike for short, who is the opportunist who adapts. Also he, or not also, his pronouns are he, him. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time one of us has figured something out through roleplay. It's true, but I, I know in this particular... I don't want to talk about it. I am Emily. My pronouns are they, she. And I am playing Redacted. And finally, I am Kyle, he, him, and I will be your Game Master or GM today. That means I am playing pretty much everyone and everything else. Because the way this game works is that each of my friends here has taken on the role of a protagonist in a story. They are our heroes, more or less. And they are the champions of their character. It is up to them to tell me things like how their character is feeling and what their character is doing. And then I, as the game master, am going to, in turn, talk about the world around them, how the world influences them and how their actions influence the world. And in the moments where we're a little bit uncertain about how that would happen, they will roll two six-sided die and add them together. If the added number is somewhere between two and six, they will fail. 
the world will not look fondly on their actions. If they roll a 10 to 12, they will succeed. Things will be good for them because of what they did. And if they roll in the middle, that's where the fun stuff happens. But I think with that, we're good to get started. The midday sun shines on the valley. And uninterrupted by any clouds, you can sense its warmth with every part of your body. It touches your skin and buries deep, so deep that you could swear the heat comes from within, even if your body no longer makes it. It deepens the color of the orange sand, the copper houses, and even the black asphalt, which it rises off of with a gentle hiss. We're not in the valley, though. Instead, we're overlooking it and the small city it cradles from a pass running along one of the nearby mountains. With no wind, the boulders and brush should be deathly still. Yet, there are whispers. A vibration in the bush. A tiny landslide made out of half a dozen golf ball-sized rocks. And, eventually, on one boulder, right in the center of our view, a ghostly creature silently steps in. It's small, no bigger than a microwave, with a furry round body, twig-like legs, and a deer's face, complete with those deer-like big black eyes. And this creature, which seems to be constantly shaking, uses those eyes to survey its surroundings. Kip, kip. Kip, kip. Kip, kip. Kip, kip. And the creature's ears perk up and it jumps out of view as a bush right behind it shakes and two figures emerge from it. Tom and Hallie, tell me, what do we see come out of the bushes? Who do we see? Tell us a bit about them. And, and most importantly, how are they emerging from the bushes? Hilda is a kind of short, fat, 12-year-old white girl. She is right now wearing, like, shorts and a t-shirt and one of those floppy hats you do when you're out in like the woods. It's got sunscreen and a backpack filled with something. Sparky is certain that at least one book has been shoved in there. At least three. What book is it most likely shoved in there? Well, there's a few. At least three. Now, obviously, Hilda doesn't go anywhere without like her most prized possession, which is Babka Anya's revised book of practical jokes and clownery. But there's probably also like a general Necromon book in there as well, as well as like how to be out in the woods or the magical properties of forests in wherever this general region is called, like beyond the valley itself, but like bigger, bigger regional stuff. And she has, at least for now, a belt with like a holster with a deck of blank cards in it. Blank necro cards, because you are hunting a necromon, which are like Pokemon, but ghostly. But not like all ghosts, but still ghostly. A very Halloween themed batch of little cute monsters. But unlike a Pokemon trainer, you are not in fact hunting without an adult. Arguably. Who else emerges from the bushes? I was going to say certainly not, because next to Hilda is a woman who looks to be in her mid-40s, like middle-aged, 
she stands up her hair is short and puffy and it is pulled back with a um like a their headband but they're a specific kind of headband like a stretchy one a stretchy headband <gasps> she's pulled back with a stretchy headband a scrunchie no that's different than a headband okay it's a hairband i know what you mean but i don't know what that's yeah. specifically called i think it's just called a stretchy headband it's because she's got a stretchy headband and it's sporty and it's cool just like she is because she's got cool shades uh she doesn't have a hat because the sun can't affect sparky it's got no power over Sparky Malarkey. This is also why she refuses to wear sunscreen. Sparky is otherwise outfitted for a day in the hikes. She's got little hiking boots and cargo pants. They are pants, but they are currently rolled up into shorts because it is very, very hot out. And she likes she likes the uh, the flexibility of having pants that she can like tie up into adventure cargo shorts whenever she wants. She's got a little backpack. There's a laptop sticking out of it. This laptop is her MacBook Pro. It is her favorite thing. She brings it with her everywhere, including Necromon hunting with Hilda. She has a harder time getting out of the bush than I imagine Hilda does. They, they've been there for a while. They've been watching this little Necromon for a while, and she was really liking just sitting in the shade. The sun doesn't affect her, though. The sun does, <laughs> no, the sun doesn't affect her, but that doesn't mean the shade doesn't feel nice. So, um, <laughs> she's like, <sighs> She stands up and brushes the twigs and the leaves and the dirt off of her clothes. The slight crunch of her knees after being down on the ground so long. Crack! Okay, Hilda. Okay. This is, this is, um, this is, it, 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 what's over there? Shoot, I, I'm sorry, boss. We, we, we probably could have gotten it. Ah, look, that's fine. You're the, uh, you're the little, you're the little Necromon kids. You, you know what, you know what you're doing. I'm just, uh, and she hitches her backpack up. Man, it is hotter than I thought it would be. Need any water? I've, uh, I've got a canteen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She takes Hilda's canteen and just starts draining it. Ah, oh, thank you. See, you're, le- you're already learning. Coming prepared? That's really, really good. A good journalist always comes prepared. She hands the canteen back to Hilda. Hilda does not care that it's been drained. She is beaming. You can see just a little bit of steam as the noon sun takes the last drop inside of the water bottle and just fizzes it into the air and the inside even starts to shrivel a bit from the heat. How dare you? This is a high quality camping canteen. (laughs) It's metal inside, but the outside is like nice and padded so it doesn't get scorching hot in the heat. Hilda's prepared, damn it. You think you can come at me with camping woes? (laughs) Bring it on, Decker. Do you think my years in the Boy Scouts haven't availed me for this very moment? (laughs) Want me to roleplay doing some two half hitches for you? Yeah, let's go. Let's fucking go. A bowline knot? Okay, so yeah, the sun, the inside of the water bottle is not shriveled up, but it is very empty. Okay, okay, we didn't, uh, we didn't, uh, we didn't scare it away, did we? What, what do we do next? Kip, kip. Um, well, since I can't really battle it or anything i either need to trap it close and tire it out or i need to befriend it i'm guessing you prefer the second one i mean if i can okay well and she stands up a little bit straighter and fixes her sunglasses squeezes the sweat out of her hair and lets it pop back up show me what you can do kid okay 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 you got this so hilda's going to start slowly walking towards the pick pick just extends one hand out in front of her just real gentle just doing like soft murmurings like, Hey, it's okay. I'm a friend. It's nice to meet you. 
The pick-pick slowly puts its head out. Do you want a necro biscuit? And Hilda will pull out this like little hardtack looking animal treat looking thing. Little hardtack with uh, with an SC emblazoned on it. Yes, let's go with that. So it sounds like you want to do something. And I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. So it's time to roll. Indeed. So the way rolls work is when a player wants to do something and we aren't sure whether or not it's going to succeed, they're going to roll. They're going to use one of four stats. Hearts, books, fierce, slick. Don't need to know that much about them, just that they represent you know, how well someone communicates hearts, how much someone can influence in an academic way or a mechanical way. That's books. Fierce is just how ready to go to town you are. And then slick is smooth lion sneaking out before anyone notices you. The move we are going to do, we are going to do convince somebody because you want to convince this pick pick to be your friend because you're kind of using a more gentle approach. I'd say you're going to roll hearts for this. Okay. So you'll roll 2d6, and then you'll take whatever your heart score is and add it to that. I have a plus two in hearts, so I will add a two to my roll. Heart of the cards, guide me. I rolled a 10 on the dice, so that's a 12 with my bonus. Full success. So the pick pick comes out, and it does a little nibble. Hey, 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 that's nice. And when the food is gone, it kind of sniffs around in your hand for a little bit more. Hilda will take out another one and say, My name's Hilda. It's nice to meet you. Kip, kip. Glad to meet you too, kip, kip. Pick, pick. Hilda did that in character for the record. (laughs) I know we've only met recently, but would you like to go on adventures? It looks a bit confused, but it eventually starts sniffing around for more biscuits. (laughs) And uh, it starts sniffing by the cards on your belt. And Hilda, with gunslinger slow sureness, reaches a hand down to the deck holster, draws a card out with two fingers, and presents it to the pick-pick. And this is where I'm going to introduce a GM intrusion. Oh boy. Essentially, a GM intrusion is when I cause something bad to happen. As a GM, I can do two kinds of things. I can do soft moves or hard moves. Soft moves are things where I kind of set up something happening and they have to respond. So it's something like, oh, no, there's an avalanche. You better run. And a hard move is a rock falls on your head. It's just something happens. Uh, GM Intrusion lets me do the latter. It lets me do a hard move. What Tom gets in response is adventure points or AP. Tom can use AP for a variety of things. They're essentially boosts that he can give himself. It's a little bit of a reward for taking this thing. But Tom isn't the only one who gets an AP. He gets to give one to someone else. So Tom, who do you give your other AP to and why? I feel like I have no choice but to give it to Sparky in this instance. Thank God. And you get this GM intrusion because you three aren't the only ones there. Before I describe what happens, I have a question for one of you. Ari, how would Kike go about hunting a necromon? Um... I mean, he would just stalk it from behind and try to catch it. I guess he has like maybe a little net. He doesn't know how to catch necromons. So he's just trying like... You're just going to stuff a little deer in his sack and carry it away? <laughs> he, I, I assume he wouldn't know how to catch it, right? Like, Probably not. So Hilda, you're about to interact with this necromon when whoosh, just a giant comically sized net swings down and misses the pick pick 
but the pic-pic just scurries off. And this figure emerges from the bush that the pic-pic was also in. And Ari, tell me what we see. You will see a tall skeleton emerge from the bushes that is wearing a beret and glasses and a little like safari kind of vest, which is not what he usually wears, but for now he needs something a little bit lighter. Also, yes, he as a skeleton is not in fact affected by the sun, literally unlike Sparky, Wow! but he likes his beret, so he is wearing his beret. He is affected by poor sight, which is why he is wearing his glasses, despite being a skeleton. So that is that is what you would see as you like see this figure trying to catch this thing. So within the span of a second, Necrocard comes out, Net comes down, Pick Pick runs, Skeleton pops out of bush. Really slowly, like, <laughs> oh did I get it? Like he wants to like really slowly like a little like spider thing except it's just so just like the top of the skeleton head with like the glasses just like sliding into frame i I was thinking like it's like the entire figure it's just like really slowly rising up like so it's like a fucking horror movie just slowly we just see his shadow rise on this small child and hilda's gonna look up and say hey what the heck that's not how you're supposed to interact with necromon you, you gotta treat them with respect. Kiki, he's gonna try his intimidate child strategy. <laughs> that has sometimes worked. Patented 10 step process. Look at this book I wrote. How to intimidate a child and other. Casually approach, <laughs> casually intimidate child. <laughs> So he's gonna like try to like rise even even higher in his like posture and be like, this is a forbidden area, child. And I have permit to be in here. And if you don't want further complications, I advise you go back home and let the professionals handle this maneuver. How to intimidate a child. I have a permit. Ah, no! (laughs) Rules! Scatter! Sir, this is a national park. (laughs) We stopped at the visitor center on our way up here. I have a map. It's the kid's map. Actually, no. Hilda has the full map. Sparky has the simplified kid's map. I was gonna say, I just, yeah. Well, kid... Despite it being a national park, there are sometimes areas that are protected, particularly for specific scenarios. This is one such area. Don't mind scattering and doing whatever things kids do nowadays, which isn't to be in this place. Well, too bad for you. We are professionals. And kids these days, like Necromon. And she's going to point for emphasis at the Necromon. Strike a little pose. Kike will be like, we, I only see one of you here. What do you mean we? Is there another kid that I should scare away? Boss? From like the side of the screen, Sparky (laughs) sticks her head in and goes. To add a little bit of flavor to this, Sparky, you come in holding the pick-pick in your arms. (laughs) Yes, I like that so much more than what I was going to do. So she comes in with the little pick-pick. It's like kind of like uh, squirming to get out of her arms. Wriggly little deer. Yeah, it's just vibrating and going. That mm. she just casually like adjusts her arms, angles her head sideways, and then lowers her sunglasses and goes, Kike, 
Is that you? <laughs> well, Kikai, I haven't seen you since. Well, probably just yesterday, but it's been a while. How are you? Are you, are you, are you wanting to, um, you look ready to talk? Looking at Kike's butterfly net standing in the middle of this park next to the child that she is with. He's just gonna like hear like, is that you or whatever, all of that dialogue. And he's just going to like jump. The slasher sting plays just the Oh, this spark, is that you? It certainly is. I know that you love running into me. It's your favorite thing. I do not. That's why you run away from me all the time, so you can keep running into me again. If there is something that I <laughs> heavily dislike is to run into you, why are you holding that thing? It is, as I explained this child, that little salt-shaking thing is in fact property of Kike, who is me. <laughs> And he's just going to like reach for it. Maybe try to capture it with the net. <laughs> At Sparky. Yeah. Sparky doesn't step backwards. She just angles her body so that the uh, pick pick is slightly out of Kike's reach and goes, Kike, you have even less knowledge of the law than I do. Don't pull one over on me. I'm pretty sure it's, um, it's actually, actually, uh, Hilda, Hilda, that's that. What does the map? Is this ours now? The yours? I, I picked it up. That's, that's the legal. And then she kind of like elbows past Kike, dramatically showing off the pick pick, but in a way that he can't quite get to it. The pick pick goes, mmm, a little more. <laughs> I mean, technically the pick pick is nobody's until we get it inside the card. And Hilda's gonna like show off some of the blank necro cards and say, you either form a bond with or capture when they're tired. Uh, a necromon in the necro card and you sign your name on it. And yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, and he's going to like go and, and reach and try to grab the card from Hilda hey. as, as ah. she's like talking like, yeah, these are the cards. <laughs> that was my allowance. <laughs> um, This one I won't count as a GM intrusion, mostly because I put the pick pick in Sparky's arms already. But... <laughs> because necromon are like Pokemon. But kind of ghostly, right? But they also have another thing in common with Pokemon. They have elements. And this microwave-sounding, microwave-sized Necromon... God damn it. ...has the same element as a microwave. The Pick-Pick bursts into flames. <laughs> well, good thing that doesn't affect Sparky. <laughs> He's not affected by the sun or radiation. And rushes <laughs> off. <laughs> chase it i think we need to make a competitive role to chase i want yeah i want to chase it oh yeah we're all chasing it same the strange skeletal man is not going to take my first necromon from me the, the way uh player versus player conflict works is you basically so you're all gonna roll the same move since you're responding to the sudden action of a necromon catching on fire and running i would say we should roll take action. Take action, you roll fierce, and that's the roll that you do when you chase after something, typically. Ooh. Not my strength. A natural 12. Hey! So Tom gets a critical success. And what did you roll, Hallie? I got a 10. 9. First roll! First roll! I beat Ari! Hey! <laughs> 
So you succeed Later. <laughs> above and beyond, Tom. So you are chasing after this necromon. Describe how you beat everyone else. <laughs> Hilda is normally not good at this sort of thing, but she sees a log poking up like in an almost ramp over a little gully and just like runs up the log and jumps a little gap and uses this as a shortcut to be ahead of the necromon and everyone else and then just like plants herself like a tree in front of it legs spread like shoulder width arms wide out and just says hey hey friend it's okay meanwhile two adults an adult woman and a fucking skeleton are chasing after you. And I'll say you're essentially against the mountain. You went over the gully and then you kind of grabbed and rolled into the mountain. Sparky, Sparky is able to stop in time. So she gets, she stops. Kike, you got a mixed success. So, uh... the bullet hit? (laughs) (laughs) So you go a little too far. And you skid, and suddenly the ground beneath you is no longer there because you run past Hilda into a little crevice right next to her, and you slip on some leaves on the ground, and suddenly there's a hole beneath you. And you're able to grab in time, but you are hanging on above the hole with both hands. I mean, he'll just scramble up or try to scramble up the hole. Is Kike able to get up safely? Because Hilda will, like, try to run over and give him a hand, if need be. I'll do it conditionally. Oh, dear. Ah, uh, Kike, looks like you're in a bind. Oh, you know, it, it would be a sh- It would be- I could help. I am in an easy position to help. But if only I had guarantees that you would answer my interview questions later. Oh, well, it's such a shame because, look, I really need no help from you, Sparky. <laughs> I can get out of here myself just fine. And he's just going to try and scramble up. Hilda's already helping you up. That's the benefit from Tom's 12 is that you don't have to roll on getting up. Hilda is just helping you. Hilda? He's still, even if she like pulls him a little, as soon as like it's not needed, he's going to like let go and like go out the rest of the way himself. He's not going to say thanks at this. Sparky gives Hilda a disbelieving look, and then says, the first rule of journalism is you don't intervene unless they give you something in return. Sorry, boss. I just kind of wanted to help. I felt bad because, like, if we hadn't been chasing, nobody would be in danger. And Hilda's going to set down the pick-pick. Well, I happen to actually know more things about the rules of journalism than Sparky over here. I I practically taught her what all I know. So wait, really? You've taught me nothing. You never told me, boss. I don't. Yeah, do yeah. Any, don't. There's this oh hidden rule. Oh my gosh. That's what. There's this hidden what? rule of journalism. A hidden. This is that. This, just, just hang on, hang on, Sparky. Yeah, Hilda is rapt attention to Kike right now. Uh, listen, if there's anything I know about journalism, it's about this secret author rule, which is that if you ever cause some potential accident due to something you did, and then you help or feel like you help somebody out of that predicament, you also need to give some sort of compensation to that person, you see? So, uh, for for instance, a little uh, salt shake thing over there. Ari, right, take a GM intrusion. <laughs> Sparky's fucking furious. <laughs> She's giving Kike a far more withering look than she gave Hilda moments earlier. Yeah, Kike, yeah, take a GM intrusion. Who do you give the other AP to? I'll give it to Hilda for believing my story. Damn it. <laughs> Damn 
it. I thought you were about to say as a bribe. <laughs> so, Kike, you go, you point to the Necromon, and as you turn around, it's no longer there. Well. And instead is halfway on its jump down <laughs> to the bottom of that little pit. Gip, gip. No, it's, it's, it, it can jump. It can do big jumps. It is fine. It is doing this of its own volition. I wasn't entirely sure. I, I assume that's what you were going for, but what you described it at the end almost made it sound like, and the Kip Kip is falling past you just out of reach. The Kip Kip is fine. Okay, that's important. But it is definitely going down that pit, which isn't a flat drop, but it's a very steep incline started doing the frantic microwave sounds again. Kiki mm. will start running towards it again while also like telling Hilda like, all right, rem re remember that secret rule is extremely important for when we finally catch this thing, okay? And then he's just gonna go at it. Okay. All right, Kiki's down a pit. <laughs> is this really happening to us this early? I mean, he's not jumping to the pit. It's exactly like I thought that like the Kip Kip's like legs or something were like. Oh no, it's it's tiny. It's six feet down. You gotta go down in the pit with it. Oh no, then he's not jumping at the pit. He was just gonna try and grab it. Oh, I thought Kiki was just gonna be like. Well, I can get down there just fine and just bones shamble down the pit. <laughs> I mean, I guess he could, but he's not. He's got too much self-respect. Sparky might jump in, though, because I would like to use my spelunking skill. I realize this isn't a cave, but I chose this skill and it's close to a cave. I can't believe one of Hallie's skills was very relevant, actually. Surprise! It is. It is very relevant. <laughs> unfortunately. What do you mean, unfortunately? Because we don't, like, have hit points or anything, and I'm not going to have you, I'm not going to, like, 127 days this or whatever the name of that movie was. What the fuck, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, you can, you, you go down the pit fine. You don't got to roll. Yeah, spelunking. As Sparky spelunks down this pit, she waves goodbye to Kike and goes, Another secret rule of journalism is that I'm better than you, and then continues going down the chasm. That is not even a rule. You don't even know what rules are. It's just a fact. I get them confused sometimes. Um, uh, sir, mister, we should go down there and help out boss. I don't think it was safe to just jump in there. We, we should have used the rope instead. You have a rope? Yeah, yeah. And she'll pull a rope out of the backpack and be like, I, um, I wasn't sure how steep it would be. So I thought, you know, maybe maybe a rope would be nice. All right. Uh, can go first. Just remember that this also counts as helping. You know, you can you can write down the uh you're accumulating helping things to me in the future. Yeah. And she's going to like note that down in a notebook. Helped skeleton do not know his name yet. <laughs> it's like helping an elderly person across the street helped a skeleton down a pit. Do we have debt mechanics? Because if we didn't, Ari has created that. <laughs> Time to redesign the entire system, Kyle. So Hilda makes her way down and then you follow Kike? Yes, Kike follows. He's just going to wait like, uh, how's everything looking down there? Just to kind of make sure that, you know, it's not like poisonous, weird things in there. Sending the kid first. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of dark, but it's fine. Just rocks. All right, I can handle rocks, and then he's going to tie the rope on top and jump his way down. Immediately, you feel something squishy at your feet. Something soft and moist, which you would not normally find in the desert. Hey, 
Kid, I don't know what your conception is of rocks, but last time I checked, they weren't squishy. Uh, is there, like, moss or something down here as well? That's exactly what there is. Mm. At your feet, a little bit of dew clings to clumps of moss. An ethereal blue light courses like veins through gaps in the moss. And that light seems to go further into a cave. And you can see the little pick-pick running off. Yip, 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 yip. Am I down there? Is Sparky down there? or? I imagine like Sparky has run ahead of us by this point. Were you waiting for them or were you running ahead? I'm running ahead. I'm keeping up with the pick-pick. I'm getting that because for some reason this will prove journalism to Kike. All right, yeah, you see the you see Sparky booking it, splunking Terminator Two, running as fast as she can after it. Kike as seeing the pick pick and Sparky running because he's gonna be like, there it is, and then just run towards it as well, trying not to trip on the moss. You need necro cards, ah! <laughs> and Hilda will also like run after them with cards. So you run in, and. It's cool. Not cold, but cool. Cool. Does it have like sunglasses and like A? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The cool A man (laughs) is here. He's been here the whole time. Alright, we're gonna do a different here. That is tubular. This is not tubular. (laughs) This is cool. Like a nice refreshing drink. But we're in a cave, right? I am so sorry. Because if it is if we're in a cave, it is tubular, in fact. Inside of this tubular and cool, but in the temperature and like geometry style way, and not like how he's fucking gone. The personality way. This was this was a beautiful piece of prose I'd written here. And would you say it was a cool piece of prose? <laughs> but I'm just gonna cut it to say, from a temperature point of view, it is cool, not cold, but nice and refreshing. Like a Kool-Aid, sorry. Like a Kool-Aid. Yes, it's like drinking nice, refreshing Kool-Aid. That's how it feels to Hilda and Sparky, who have warm bodies, but not to Kike, because he is dead. And so he does not have warmth on his bones. Or on his heart. (laughs) The Kool-Aid man doesn't have bones. Anyways, (laughs) there's also a bunch of fucking trees in here and shit. The trees are cool in the cool way because these are like trees from like the Midwest, not the kind you normally find in the desert, but the fine the kind you would find in a more temperate environment. And the reason you can see all this is because there is that vague ethereal blue light that seems to be running through this place and bouncing off of the green of the trees. Hilda is just very distracted by this shiny blue light, forgets all about everything else for a moment, and it's just like I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Unzips my backpack, pulls out a book of witches and what they do. So you take in these trees and your surroundings and you venture further into the cave. And as you do, the light glows and grows. And eventually, in the middle of this subterranean oasis, you find a lake, unmistakably clean, yet absolutely opaque. This light emerges from the lake, flows through the trees, and emerges back towards it, like the flow of a river. And when it comes back to the lake, it waits along the lake's top, forming an impenetrable white mist. And from this mist emerge the shapes of dozens of creatures, 
A small, faceless bear with legs, arms, and a body that are all soft and spherical in shape. A cat with two heads and a single pair of legs between them. Pocket-sized owls that just run out like Olympian joggers. These creatures and many more form in the mist as strings of blue light, but as they leave, they take on more detail. The bear's steps shake the earth, the cat's black fur hides it from sight, and the owl doubles in size as feathers emerge and cover its skin. But you don't notice them. You don't notice the new necromon. You don't notice the pick-pick running into the mist and taking on the shape of that light. You don't even see Sparky standing there staring in the lake. Because you're too distracted, consumed by some beauty that cannot be seen or heard, only felt, as the cool courses through your body again, starting at the tips of your fingers and your toes, before spreading everywhere else, removing all that was warm. Sparky, you find yourself in... What's your favorite grocery store? Is it Fresh Thyme? I'm trying to think of a name that isn't that, Ari. <laughs> Thyme Fresh. Hang on. Out of time. Out of time. God damn. It's out of everything all the time. <laughs> but time is spelled T-H-Y-M-E. And it's constantly out of everything. No spices whatsoever. Constantly out of most things, but the stock of this place, relatively, you'll occasionally get something. Yeah. So you, you walk into out of time, you go about your regular things, you know, you go to find the oranges, gone. You go to find the microwave dinners, gone. You go to get a smoothie from Steve at the smoothie bar. That's the only reason I keep coming back. Gone too. No. In fact, even though you could swear you can hear the crowd around you, the space is empty. Hello? Hello. That's not what my voice sounds like. That's not what my voice sounds like. Do you have any rutabagas? <laughs> Do you have any rutabagas? Oh, I didn't like that laugh. I can't tell if that was you laughing or if that was part of the... Rutabagas. Rutabagas. Okay, this is just insulting. And you look over and you can see that the rutabagas are empty. Out of stock. Not again. But then the door to the back storeroom opens up. I go into the back storeroom. You go into the back storeroom, and you hear more of those whispers, different voices. Occasionally, one of them will do the little. You gotta stop that. It's real creepy. It's real creepy. Oh, that was worse. That was worse. And you continue to go down these halls, and you see behind you, they have everything. They have the oranges, they have the microwave dinners, and there's a whole line of Steve's in front of a whole line of smoothie machines. I only needed one. But you go to the section you care about. I'll come back for you later, Steve. The rutabagas. The rutabagas. And in the center of the rutabagas, the place that has always been empty, always been missing, you see one solitary rutabaga on the shelf. In bewilderment and almost disappointment, Sparky reaches out really slowly not to pick up the rutabaga, just to poke it. Slowly, slowly, 
just poke it with the tip of your finger. Yeah, like to make sure it's there, it's real, and that it's like a vegetable and not a toy. You poke it, and nothing happens. <laughs> just kidding! And suddenly a few images just flash through your eyes. You see a tower reaching into the sky. You see fierce Necromon battles, giant creatures. You see a patchwork sewn together hand grab a rutabaga and a string of yarn hair. And you just hear whispers, different multiple voices say, protect the rutabaga or the world ends. Just like death, announcements come for us all. Hi, I'm Kyle. This is the announcement break. What the hell? Normally, I would start with just saying hi, welcome to the announcement break, but that's also how we begin each episode. So I thought, ah, we got to have a different intro for the announcement break. But this is this is it. This is the announcement break. This is the space for announcements. And I do mean announcements, not just ads. Don't get me wrong, we might have moments where we encourage you to check out things that we're either giving out for free or things like Patreon or merch or something like that. Or we might have promos for other shows and projects you're interested in. But you aren't going to sit down and listen to us talk to you for five minutes about Casper mattresses. Despite the name overlap, they won't respond to my emails. So... What I want to talk to you about today is I want to give a couple of credit to the folks who work on our show that you won't be listening to, and then walk you a bit through the description, the section typically underneath this episode in your podcatcher or wherever you're listening to this. So in addition to the five of us on our show, there are three folks who are going to have their hands in pretty much any episode you touch. The first one is Miles Mercury, or Miles Mercury on Twitter. Miles is the artist who we commissioned to create our theme song, which you'll hear at the beginning of every episode. You'll also, for every episode, probably see our icon, our artwork. That artwork was done by Mandy Robertson or at Mighty Meller on Twitter. And then finally, the transcripts are done by Raina Harper or at Raina underscore Moonsage on Twitter. I just wanted to take a moment to shout out those three folks because they have such a substantial impact on this show. So it's important for me to let you know from the very beginning that even if you won't hear them, they are important contributors to the show and your enjoyment of it. If you're interested in checking any of them out, you can find links to their stuff in the description. Let's talk about that description a little bit. So again, the description is the place typically below the episode where there are lots of words. The first couple of words you see are going to be like a description from a TV show, you know. I haven't written the one for this episode yet, but it would probably be something like, two people and a skeleton go on an adventure, but fine, they've bargained for more than they've bargained for. I Again, I haven't written it yet, but you'll have that first. Underneath the spoiler-free description of the episode, you're going to have a list of content notes. These are all the things that I thought might be relevant for somebody to know, as well as timestamps with them. So for this episode, for example, we have one, ooh, this food is gross joke, and oh man, this thing caught on fire, that already happened, and oh man, we got very loud. I felt those things were important to note down, so I have them listed in the description along with the timestamps for when they happen. If you see something without a timestamp, that means that I think it's pretty ubiquitous 
it's a core part of the episode that appears so frequently or is such a frequent undercurrent that I can't really put specific timestamps for it. It's just a big part of the episode. Underneath the content notes, you're going to have the character list. The character list goes over pretty much any proper noun that I think is important for the adventure. So that might include characters, it might include places, it might include organizations like Scuba Corps, or important concepts like Necromon. Underneath the character list, you're going to find a link to the transcript. That one is, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, not there right now. We're a little bit behind on transcripts. I tend to get episodes done right before they release, so I need to create a bit of a backlog before we can actually get those transcripts releasing on the same day as the episode. So eventually, they should be coming out same day of episode, but might not be there right now. Underneath those things, you'll have any other notable links that I shout out in the announcement break, such as the uh, credits that I mentioned earlier I would put down there. Underneath that, you've got a link to Under the Neighborhood, which is the role-playing game we use in the system. I actually made it specifically for this podcast. Under that, you're going to have social media links. So if you use Twitter, we've got a Twitter, we've got a Tumblr, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. And finally, beneath that, you've got the music credits. And that's the description, as well as your first announcement break. Thank you so much for listening to this break and the episode as well. I hope you're enjoying it. Our next episode, episode 2-1, Hilda's Rival, will be releasing on Monday, April 18th. But if you'd like additional stories, podcasts, or behind-the-scenes videos, you can find them at patreon.com slash questfriends. I will see you there. are in the lake yep it's a lake there's this blue light i guess and a fog and necromon are coming in and out of it and that's like kind of neato i guess but you don't feel anything it might be because you're dead it might be because you're dead inside emotionally inside and outside who knows both both is good (laughs) you see that both hilda and sparky have stopped sparky has taken a few steps into the water leaving her belongings at the ground. And Hilda, in fact, has taken off her backpack and set it by her side. It doesn't look like they're going for a dip, though. You can tell in their faces, they don't look like corpses. But that is the closest thing I can think of comparing them to. Because it looks like their souls have left their body. Oh, God. You're dead. You're one of the dead. When you're living, soul body, different things. When you're dead, It's one and the same. So your soul here, your bones are here. It's all here and good. But them looks like they're going on some fucking trip or whatever, man. (sighs) Kik is going to sigh really deeply. He's going to make a quick check. So there's a bunch of necromon in there. I assume the pick is far gone in the thing, right? The pick has gone further into the fog. Okay. It's either been absorbed into it or it's just further into the lake. One of the two. Okay, so he's not visible. Uh, okay, so Kike will, like, 
kind of glance to where he knows the pick pick went and then back to them and then back to the pick pick and then back to them sigh again just like i don't actually hate you that much looking at sparky and like trying to pull her and the kid out of the lake if he can't take both at the same time he'll try to take sparky out first and maybe then hilda actually no hilda first because kids first you know (laughs) i was gonna say put your mask on before the child or whatever i won't have you roll for this hilda is taking her first couple of steps in and you're able to pull her back because she's not resisting much but she keeps trying to take a few more steps into the water. She's not knocked out of it. So if if there's like, did Hilda had just the one rope or does Hilda have several spare ropes in her backpack? Because I'm thinking that Kike can try to tie them to like a specific place <laughs> and then look for whatever is happening. How many ropes would, uh, would Hilda have, Tom? I don't know, because on the one hand, Hilda might have more, but... Hilda might only bring one long rope because like she's trying to be prepared, but isn't like carrying an entire armory in there. I almost want to leave it to chance, but I don't know if this is right for a move. You know what? I'll give you something other than a rope, mostly because you've already made the interesting decision of who to go after first. And so we can play off of that. So you look around, you don't see a rope. So you start looking for other things you can pull from and you start to notice there are little bits of clothes here. If it looks like someone had been raptured almost, you see like, you know, shoes and pants and shirts and stuff. Oh God. All of them are completely empty. There's nothing in the pockets. But the closest ones you see, and you actually see a awful lot of these, is you see a couple of white lab coats emblazoned with the logo SC. These are the logo for the organization Scuba Corps, which makes the necro cards and similar necromon related things. I'm so pleased. And those are super long, super durable white trench coats. So you could, with some time, probably tie those together and use those to attach Hilda to like a tree or something. Okay, perfect. So he does that and then he goes after Sparky. Yeah, so you go to do that. But when you get out there, she's disappeared into the mist. (sighs) So you actually can't find her right away when you get inside of the mist. So I want you to roll me to understand. Understand is when you take in your surroundings, read something challenging, figure out a monster's weakness, tell what's in a room. So to like perceive, basically, is that like books? Yep, it's books. Okay. Ah, sorry, that's not. Do you not... perceive this shit, Trucy? You perceive this shit. <laughs> that is an eight. So an eight is a mixed success. You. Who uh... of a fairy's claim, Kike? <laughs> You go and you eventually find Sparky. And by the time you get to her, it's about probably up to probably halfway up her stomach by the time you get out there. Like, it's pretty heavy. And as actually you rush out, you see a few other bits of, like, clothes and stuff rush out. So you see, you know, another pair of shoes, another pair of shorts. Although these ones still have the valuables attached. They still have things like wallets and ID cards and occasionally necro cards attached to them. And you wade past all these and you see Sparky, who, for better or for worse, is seemingly still okay. And as he's trying to pull her out, he'll just be like, you're lucky that there's only one person I hate enough that I would let this happen to. And it is not you. (laughs) (laughs) However, while you were able to successfully find Sparky, you can't find your way out. (laughs) 
Um, and that is the end of the first episode. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I wanted to use my, it was a long con, but I guess <laughs> that's not a thing I'm going to be using if it's the No, no, go ahead, end. go ahead, go ahead. Use your ability. Okay. Yeah. All right, it was a long con. Tell us what this ability does, Ari. Once per adventure, you can immediately follow up a failure or make success with a full success, explaining that the failure was all part of the plan. So, like, the failure already exists, right? So he can, yeah. can still not find his way out. Like, that's a thing. You're still lost, but being lost, that's part of the plan. Um, yeah. Well, you didn't think too far <laughs> ahead. I just wanted to do a long con when I rolled a big success. Uh, I think, like, even if Kike can't find a way, he was, like, purposely looking for... Maybe like a place where the sharks, it's a lake. So if it's like gets shallower, like meaning that it's going to go to like a coast, even if it isn't necessarily where he came from, he was looking for like a way to find something shallower. You walk in any direction, eventually it'll get shallow. It might get deep first, but like... Yeah, I mean, he's trying to like figure out if there's like a place where like he can still step versus he can't no longer step and things like that. He also was going on the direction where one of the Necromon cards from like whoever the fuck <laughs> you mentioned that there were some. Yeah. So he's still on his mission. Like he wants these people to be fine. But if he finds that thing that kid said that cards were somehow part of it. So maybe. Yeah, you, you follow, you can see one of the necro cards is going out in a certain direction. So you follow them off to shore. When you get out, there are still the trees, there's still the blue light. Hilda doesn't seem to be anywhere to be found. And once you take a few steps out of the water, Sparky snaps back to it. Get off my rutabaga! Kike? It's, uh... You know, don't uh, mention it except you, but I may or may not have saved your life. So uh, just check that for later. Maybe that will mean that you won't ask me anything later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the details. Uh, I left that one kid tied up in a tree. I don't know exactly where, but I think that if we walk around the perimeter of this lake, we'll be able to find her again. She was kind of out of it. You were sort of out of it. It's a long story, too. Uh, Why'd you take my rutabaga? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but then again, I never do, so let's just walk in the perimeter of this lake. God, you have never satisfactorily answered a question, Kike. Why did you take my rutabaga? That's because you ask questions like this. How do you want me to satisfactorily ask any questions if they are among the veins of where's my whatever that thing you mentioned is? So rutabaga, it is a vegetable, it is constantly out of stock, and I finally had one. It's constantly out of stock at a store that's constantly out of stock. That is how out of stock that is. There's something there. God. Oh, I had it. I had it. Oh, shit. Well, probably if we go around the perimeter of this lake, we can find your whatever bagel thing. Your bagel? Your bagel thing. Your bagel fruit. Rutabaga. It is a rutabaga, Kike. Right, right, the bagel. Just, just... Oh, and Hilda, you said that... Uh, where's Hilda? Where is Hilda? Weren't you... You were... See, you were talking about your bagel thing and weren't even listening that I left that kid tied up on a tree. Why? So, Hilda, along the same lines of Sparky, where I asked what her favorite grocery store was, what is 
I suppose the Valley only has one library, the Valley Public Library. Tell me a bit about it. What's it look like? So it is a two-story building. It's got this big round glass window on one side, like higher up, more along the second floor. And the most notable thing is there is a big paper mache tree, which is like kind of merged with like a little background painting over on sort of like a nook on the ground floor. It's mostly in the children's book section, but like there's some young adult stuff also around it. Like not that Hilda's a kid over in the kids book section, but there is a really cool big tree over there and it's really pretty. They've done like artwork on the floor around it and stuff like all leading up to this fun looking tree. And you find yourself standing and looking in front of this tree again. It has less color. Everything seems to be a bluish white tint. You might tell that it looks a bit different, similar to how Sparky noticed that things were a bit off, but didn't get that she was in some ethereal space. Dream logic. Um, what was I doing here? Why did I walk into the room? A book? Must be a book. Why did I need a book? And Hilda is like wandering the bookshelves, trying to remember what she's doing here. You wander the bookshelves. You see a couple of books, nothing too substantial. You see a couple of talks about the hereafter, the ghost world, you know, a few books for kids about that. There are alphabet books, little kids books with things on Necromon. There's one like that's all about possibility. So like see spot run, but it's like it's if, if spot runs then cause and effect teaching that kind of thing and as you're looking through a window opens up and a breeze comes in and it shakes the branches and almost like a tree's leaves and fall a couple of them fly off and blown by the wind blow out a stream through the door out of the space and into the library proper Hilda will follow, not really sure still what she was doing here or why, but she'll wander out into the library and in amongst, like, the thick old people books. And just like it would appear to a child, these appear insurmountable, infinitely high, infinitely long, knowledge that spreads out to all possibilities. And you follow the paper mache things, and as you do, you hear whispers again. But not the imitation echo whispers that Sparky heard. These are more the voices almost of Necromon. Single names repeated backwards. And all of them continue to speak, but eventually go silent as the paper mache drops right in front of one of the shelves. And you can see in between all these books with all these titles, a single hardcover book without a title. She reaches out and tries to touch it. You grab the book and pull it off the shelves. Tom, describe what this book looks like. The book is interesting because like you said, it doesn't have a title on it. It doesn't have any wording on it, but it looks like it should. It has one of those beveled sort of like brown and very dark green covers. There are grooves and bits where like flat parts are raised out or sunk into the cover just ever so slightly. And there's what looks like a small gold plate set into the front side of the cover down towards what would presumably be the bottom, but no writing, no markings on it at all. 
It looks as though there is some sort of ribbon tucked into the center of the book as a bookmark, and it's attached to the spine of the book itself. And the pages seem ever so slightly askew. It never seems to be, like, perfectly lined up. There's always something that seems, like, twisted or at a slight angle. And what does Hilda do with this book, now that you have it in your hands? Hilda's going to open it slowly. You open the book, and you get a story. Not written out to you. There may be words on the pages, but you couldn't tell because you visualize them, and you sense them, and you smell them, and you hear them more than you would otherwise. And it's a cacophony of strange and whimsical things. You see things like a world that looks like it's made out of cubism or something like that. You see a a gothic architecture world full of 50 different variants on Batman. Burning goths. You hear the rain on this like gritty cyberpunk world. And you go through worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds. And beneath them all, a void that swallows all. And as you stand on the precipice of this void, of which nothing known exists beyond, you look back and you see a hallway with doors that extend out infinitely. And the doors stretch out and they stretch wide and they turn into this long giant smile that looks like a perfect parabola. And as the smile reaches its apex, a slashing shadowy wing comes down on you. And where you get to the book, you notice that in the center, a handful of its pages have been ripped out. Recoob. Recoob? Hey, are, are you okay? Did someone hurt you? And from the uh, sides of the book, it's six legs, right? I think so, yeah. Should we specify that the legs are supposed to be like folded pages as well? Yeah. Six little crab-like legs emerge and then start rapidly shaking as if something is being held upside down. Recoob! Hilda is going to set this necromon down on the ground, right side up. The little book is going to bump up against Hilda's shin. Hey, hey, you okay? And I'm just going to try to pet the spine a little bit. He will allow this. (laughs) And as you pet this book, little ribbons that look like eye stalks emerge from the front of his binding and pop up and start looking around. I don't know what you are, though. Recoob? Well, you call yourself Recoob, so... Book... Oh, Booker. You're called Booker. Recoob. Nice to meet you, Booker. Are you lost? I think... I think maybe I'm lost, too. I don't think I'm supposed to be here right now. Recoob? And he notices that... You aren't supposed to be here. This isn't a space for living children. (laughs) Um, if you want, we can try to find our way out together. Recoob. I'm choosing to take that as a yes. It was a yes. (laughs) Come on, friend. And after some searching, you wake up, tied to a tree on the shores of this (laughs) beach. What the F? (laughs) 
That was the cutest thing, Tom. That was so cute. It was so cute. 12 year old, I did a bad swear. Sparky will be proud of me. I'm glad I made the situation way worse by doing this now. I'm so fucking proud of you. Yeah, Tom, you're stuck in a tree. You're tied to it. Yeah, Hilda's like squirming around trying to be like, Can I also, well, I don't know if I can retroactively say this, but I have a, a move called Adapts where I can like hold a skill yeah. and I can specify during the adventure what my skill is and can it be like skill at like tying knots. <laughs> yeah. Just to make it more difficult. Yeah. Just to make this worse. Yeah, so you're tied real well. What thing did Kike remember about not tying that helped him out? He remembered when he had to be a substitute scout leader for one of his nephews. And so the nephews and the other little tiny scouts taught him how to tie knots very well. <laughs> they taught him how to tie knots. That that's fucking incredible. And they're scouts, so they that's that's the shit they know. It's it's yeah. Alright, yeah, so you're tied real good to this tree, Hilda. So Hilda's gonna first try squirming around just to see like kinda worm out of this and finding that impossible, it's going to try and be like, okay, 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 calm down, think, think. What have I got? I've got in handkerchiefs. Water bucket, balloons, um, um. And you look down and you can see that all of your stuff, at least the stuff in the backpack, is spilled out probably a ways away from you. Mm. And amongst those things, you see Babka Anya's <laughs> revised book of, is it Jokes and Clownery? It is Babka Anya's revised book of Practical Jokes and Clownery. Bob, so you see Babka Anya's book in between. <laughs> What? Nothing. I just love that you didn't say the full title. In between <laughs> the teeth of a necromon that looks a lot like a possum, <laughs> but like a possum skeleton. Ooh. So it would be like a possum skeleton, except instead of skin, it's got random bits of trash that it's picked up. Oh. Bits of fabric, random wrappers. Things like that. And in between its teeth. Oh, that's so cute. A trash panda. Is Babka Anya's book. And it stares at you. And it books it. No, no, no. Stop it. Okay. Remember, magic, escape tricks, pranks, fake rope. I, mm, I don't know if I've ever tried something like this before. Oh, God. Hilda's trying not to panic and trying to remember any, like, prankster methods for escape tricks. It's at least tangentially related. Yeah. So it sounds like you want to use your descriptor, Poles Pranks. So what you can do for your move for Poles Pranks is you can spend one AP, one adventure point, to have a single-use item related to pranks or whimsy suddenly appear. If this item relates to a move, roll with advantage. And in this case, I would just say, if you want to use this descriptor, you can just get out of it with whatever prank item you have. Okay, okay. So Hilda, continuing to think about stuff, is like, okay, okay, pranks, pranks, what do we do, what do we do? Um, 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 oh, exploding balloon. And she looks around for this, sees it on the ground next to her, and is just like, tries to stretch out a foot to be like, Mm, mm, come on. Eh. Nudge it back. Mrs. 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 
and you put your foot on it and it does the thing where you apply enough pressure that it slips out from underneath you, but it was folded over on its end. So when it curls open, you know the things that balloons do? The balloon just just flies all around before. What, what does an exploding balloon do? Is that an actual thing? No, I made it up. It, it's a balloon that explodes. It's going to blow up. It's going to explode the bonds. Okay, before nestling in between your rope and just exploding in such a way that pulls the rope all out from you and it all falls to the ground. Like, it's not super dangerous. It's mostly for startling people. Essentially, it is, it is a latex jaws of life and you have just freed yourself. Somehow this description makes it feel worse, but sure. <laughs> You're free, Thomas. I'm free. All right, Kike and Sparky, you are back at this pass. Since we last left you, you've actually run across some skeleton possums of your own. Not the same one Hilda saw, but they're acting similarly, rummaging through the pockets and bags that have washed up on the beach while saying, Tarladoib! Tarladoib! Because this species of necromon is called a boidal rat. The boidal rat? Boidal rat. It's called boidal rat. That is the name of that necromon. That's so cute. Is that the only necromon that can be seen in the vicinity? You see a few flowing in and out. Um, yeah, Kiki, I would say you can find a necrocard at your feet. Well, yeah, necrocard, but are there any like... Like a necrocard with a necromon in it. You can find one. Oh, okay. What what necromon is it? Is it a dick dick, a kit kit, or whatever? A pick pick? Pick pick. You wanna, uh, you can either roll for that or you can give me some AP to sweeten the pot. If you wanna give me an AP, I'll, I'll let it be a pick pick. Sure, I can do that. I can give you an AP. Yeah, you see a pick pick. Okay, then Kike's gonna pocket it. It's even better. It's a shiny pick pick, so it's a holographic card. Yeah, perfect. All right, so Kike's gonna grab it, gonna be like, my job here is done. All right, Sparky, you can do whatever you are doing. I'm just going to get out of here. Actually, he's not going to say anything. He's just going to leave. Um, he's going to grab it well, and like say, like, do this, like my job here is done and like try to find the thump. And that is when a book closes in on the card because the boidal rat that had the book opened its mouth, opened the book, and slammed the book closed on the necro card with the pick pick in it. <laughs> and you see this boidal rat run off, followed by a young child. And actually, I'll give you a GM intrusion for that. Yeah, that deserves a GM intrusion. You take one AP. Who do you want to give your other one to? Uh, Haldine. Yes, yes, yes. To AP. Um, while that was happening, Sparky was looking through the pockets to see if the boidal rat happened to leave anything good behind. Did the boidal rat leave anything good behind? Do you want to give me one AP or roll for something? Yeah, <laughs> I want to give you one of my AP. Okay, uh, what do you want to, what, what do you want? I don't know. I, oh, I, I want, um... How about this? You get a scuba core ID card. Level one. Lowest clearance. <laughs> yes! I want a scuba core ID card. Level one. Alright. And actually, because you got the other AP too, it just snatches up the card. So it's got the book, the ID card... No! ...and the necro card. You can't do me like this! You can't do me like this! What the fuck, Kyle? What the fuck, Decker? And it runs off. Boidal rat's a little motherfucker. And as it runs off, Sparky yells, You can't do me like this! You can't do me like this! 
And then, uh, he's already running towards the <laughs> creepy CGI skeleton run. Yes. Here they go. All right, so you all run, and when you hear a voice, do you run faster or slow down when you hear a human voice? Hilda doesn't slow down. Yeah, I don't slow down. Yeah, Kike doesn't slow down. If anything, he will try to accelerate in case it's another kid trying to steal this card. Right? Like, you don't get my thing. You know what's worse than death? A child. No. <laughs> All right. So you hear a voice from around the corner say, Ah, my precious boil hat. What have you brought? What the fuck? <laughs> and you all just turn the corner and you see this skeleton with a long, dark beard. That's just, it's just a long, dark neck beard. He is covered in so many different patchwork robes. Like he's got a couple of scuba core trench coats, a couple of other trench coats. Some are closed, some are open, some are just hanging off of his shoulders, super dramatically like. And they've got duct tape all over them and you can see he's got duct tape keeping together some of his bones as well. And he jumps up and almost drops the thing in his arms before gathering them together. In one arm, he has not the Boidal Rat you chased. You can see that that one actually ran off. There is instead a Boidal Rat that is dressed like a, like a poodle? Like it's this possum, but it's got like these big clumps of fake hair like on its torso and on its butt and on its little tail. And groomed. And then the other hand, you can see he's got the book and the uh, two things in it. And this is, this is the joke book, right? And the joke book. Specific, okay. And he is like, ah, ah. Uh, hello, sir. Sorry to interrupt you in your um, home, maybe? Yes, this is my home. What of it? Uh, so those things you're holding in your hand there, those are actually ours. I think the Boidle Rat uh, just sort of snatched them up after we walked into the cave. in my hand? Yes. It is in my hand? Yes. It is mine? No. This is my book. <laughs> No. You sound like Kike on that one. As this exchange is happening, Kike is gonna try and reach for his beard and pull it. Be like, there's a reason why I let my hair grow. Roll me a sneak. Roll me a sneak. So that's gonna be slick. Slick. Okay. I was ready for Kike to just deck this. <laughs> just get set to get decked. That is a seven. That is a mixed success. It slips out and you grab it. So it's like the, just the beard slips out alone without anything else? Is that... I was going to say, no, you got you got the card, but no, that's actually... You grab his beard, too, and his beard just slips off. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. So you have the beard and the necro card now. Okay. And you just feel bonk on your head from the other book. What the hell is this? Give me... Give me my... Give me back my beard. Does he, is, he, is he still holding the, the things from the other people? Yeah, he's still got the book. He slapped you on the head and he's like, give it, give it back. He's going to look at Sparky and say like, if I get whatever the heck you're uh, trying to get there, will you stop asking me things? Maybe. Wait, are you? Are Maybe he's not good enough. Are you and just then talking he's just going to like, like, are you just talking like I'm not here? And the car. Are you just talking like I'm not here? Well, I, I, I am here. He's going to like. I like, hear you because I am here. He's going to like 
drop the beard at him, like maybe throw it at him and walk away. Because <laughs> maybe it's not good enough. Excuse me. He's going to grab the beard and say, you, you can't just come here and take my things and then leave. Well, you know, technically there are things, so. That book has my name in it. No, it's, it's, my, it's, it's in my hand. This is my thing. We went over this. Yes, and I was going to tell you you were wrong. That's not how the law works, and I definitely know about that because I know more than Kike. You, you speak of the law. <laughs> I made the law. In Zavia, I was the law. <laughs> I can't have you just walking off like that. And you see a couple of pairs of like beady red eyes emerge from where you were as a few of the Boidle rats block your path out. And you notice they start surrounding everyone. Listen, this card is now on my hand. So according to your rules that we're following now, sir, it would make this my card. Therefore, tell your little pets things to step away. <laughs> he stands there and thinks for a second. Well, you got good point there. I do. I, I, I cannot argue. Your reasoning is sound. It is, it is, it is valid. Sure is. But come, come. I can't be such a rude host. You had no problem seconds earlier. Stick around. Would you like a uh, glass? And he grabs a goblet of water that's just completely, utterly rancid, like completely muddy, extends it. No one takes it. He throws it back. Was something to eat? He grabs meat that the smells are things beyond Gordon Ramsay's worst nightmares. Or perhaps a commemorative mask. And he pulls out a wooden mask of himself. It looks like uh, the Majora's Mask masks of just his face. And he's like, actually, no, I, I must keep that one close. And he puts it back. Please make yourselves at home. Because you are right. Whoever has things is the owner of them. And as the rats close in a little bit, I think you have more things that I want to be mine. Can I offer you a counterpoint, sir? Uh, Fair, you are, you are, you are honorable skeleton like me. You understand the way of the things. We, you know, we, 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 yeah. Uh, listen, a good host also recognizes when a guest wants to leave your home. So if you truly want to be a good host to me, won't you say that you will allow this certain guest to go out on his merry way? Oh, ro roll me. <laughs> Persuade somebody and you're going to use books because you are trying to speak the logic of reason to him. <laughs> I have a skill in non-deceptive persuasion. Yeah, absolutely. Roll with advantage. So what that means is you're going to roll three dice and add the rolls at the top two. Okay. Oh, what is this? Ooh, that's not great. Uh, three. <laughs> He's like, you make a good point. You make a good point. Is what I would say. Were I some commoner fool, I held the best banquets in all of Zavia. And you're going to tell me what a good host does? Do you not know who I am? No, we do not, sir. I was just about to ask, actually. <gasps> he does the, like, dramatic gasp when you put your hand to your chest. Let me illuminate you. Hit it! And he points to a Boidle rat, which just starts banging on some drums. You, my dear guests, are in for a wonderful treat. You are about to be stolen from the untamable, the unstoppable, the unkillable. 
Rasputin. No, no, you're not. You're not gonna do. You're not gonna do a musical number. But I, uh, I worked very hard on it. I mean, fine. You can go ahead if you want to live your life this way. But nobody respects it. No, no. <sighs> Moment is ruined. And he sits down in this throne that is just an easy lounging chair. Um, I was thinking, since we are in your home, we might offer a little trade. Little trade? Rasputin prefers gifts, but evil humor, children. I can do better than a gift, because I have magic. And she's going to do, like, little jazz hands to emphasize this. You have magic. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can do better than a gift because I can teach you my secrets. I need that book you're holding to explain it properly, but you can learn to do all sorts of illusions. You can inconvenience your enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What, are you saying saying Rasputin cannot read book? Rasputin can read book? Look! Rasputin is reading book page one, two, three. And he looks down at your book and he frowns. Anyone can read the book, but it's not very clear because Babka Anya had a very peculiar way of explaining things. Yeah, peculiar indeed. And he opens the book and he shows it to you. And you see a bunch of ripped pages in the middle that weren't there before. And he says, how am I supposed to read this? Oh, that's... And Hilda looks to see if there are little ribbon bookmarks in the spine. There are. Oh. And they, they're, they're starting to curl out a little bit as he's speaking. Well, you see, like I said, it's a special trick to read the book. And I can't show it to you unless you hand it over to me first. But then I can teach you much better secrets. Are you planning on teaching him magic? No, this is this is a Roll lie. me convince someone using <laughs> slick. Roll me to lie. This is a lie. All right, then in that case, my choice is committed. I'm going to use my declare guilty power. Oh, God. Yes. I declare that Rasputin, privately in my head, is a threat to myself and those I care about. So for the remainder of this adventure, I take plus one ongoing whenever my actions oppose my character. And actually, clarification for plus one ongoing, just in, in a general out of character sense. Does that mean it applies each time I do things? Yeah, you can get benefits where you roll higher or lower. There are three kinds. There is forward, forward means on your next roll. There is ongoing, which means until the effect ends. So in this one, it's until the end of the adventure. Anytime you go against Rasputin, you get an extra one to your roll. And then there's hold. So if I say hold three, that means you can use something three times. Okay. Well, that cancels out my minus one from Slick, so this is just an even roll. Part of the cards guide me. That's an eight. A mixed success. I... Trickery. You know, the Tsar in Zavia. They were all Tsars, that's why I was Zavia. But the head Tsar, he kept all of his knowledge of trickery and Clownery to Lixi Ani. Rasputin wanted to know trickery. Why can't Rasputin? Because Rasputin is not child. Are we all not children at heart? 
And as he's speaking, the book continues to transform. And with a yell of... The book bites into Rasputin's hand, which splays open, causing the book, or more accurately, Booker, to fall onto the ground at your feet. But he's not as sprightly as he was before. You can tell by the drop, you know, he tries to pick himself up a little bit and falls down. Hilda's going to drop to a knee and, like, pat Booker's spine and be like, Hey, hey, it's okay. I'll keep you safe. Recoup. And then say, This is just the first of many tricks that I can do with this book. You see now- What the hell is that? What is that? Ma- magic. That is no magic. The magic of- Rasputin does not know pranks. But Rasputin knows the dark magics. That is neither. That is, and you hear a little, Taladoip, Taladoip. And uh, the little boidle rat that's dressed up like a poodle speaks to Rasputin. He says, yes, that is right, my precious Raspoodle. That is Necromon. Well, would you believe me if I said that one of, one of the, your other rats has, has the book I was talking about with the tricks? And you can see the Boidle rats start encroaching in on you closer and closer. I want it. Cool. That is mine. As the Boidle rats advance, Hilda will jump out in front of Booker. Arms out wide, legs planted wide. She's got nothing. Nothing left in the backpack. Doesn't even have her precious Babka Anya's book. And she's just going to yell at the advancing Boidle rats. Stay back. Don't you dare come close. But protecting a necromon? It is useless, necromon. Look at it, it cannot even stand. This is not even as beautiful as my Raspoodle. This is not strong. This is not beautiful. Why? Hilda's gonna grab a rocket and fling it at Rasputin. <laughs> throwing a rocket at him! Not like very effectively, just like throwing a rock at him. <laughs> I will say, if Hilda does that, Sparky would immediately follow up with a second rock. <laughs> to be like, nice one, kid, but your throw sucks. This is how you throw a rock. This is how you throw a rock at people. I'm an expert. His, his head... Uh, I want to see Sparky just baseball a rock right into him. You ever broke a window? This is how you do it. I also was thinking that Kike was going to kick the possum. <laughs> so it could be like a joint effort. <laughs> you... It like the adults are just gonna fight a bunch of possums. You hit him both, and his head falls back, and it flumps behind the sofa and into the cushions. And then suddenly, like you just see a shadow illuminated by the light of a possum, just of a boidle rat, just fly through the air. He's like, what? And the body without the skull starts reaching in. And it pulls out the head. While this is happening, Hilda is going to grab Booker and run. As you all run, the head gets pulled out of the cushions. The skull turns to you and the rest of the body shrugs and says, Get them! And we are going to start a confrontation. So the way a confrontation works is you have a clock that you need to fill. The villain has a clock they need to fill. Each of you is trying to get a thing done. Once your clock fills, you are going to succeed at your thing. Once their clock, the monster clock, fills, they are going to get their thing successful. 
so that's the basic mechanics. Because you ran a little bit before he had time to respond, I will say that your clock is three and his is four. His goal is to catch you and get your things. He wants Booker. ID card would be nice. You know, if you have money, people can do some money, honestly. And your objective, you can tell me what it is. I assume in this case it would be just to escape. Or do you have a different goal? Because your goal could be to punch every single Boidle rat. <laughs> I was assuming our goal would be escape right now since we have the main things we wanted. Okay. So right now you are running away. There is a swarm of Boidle rat chasing you. I would say you're probably in the trees right now. You're making your way back to the lake. And that's where you are. So what are you going to do to try to get away? So there's nothing like a barrel to like tip over and fill and make it harder for them to chase us. But I want to do something to that extent. There could be a barrel down here. In the mystical forest lake area. There's a lot of garbage around. I want to sp- I want to sp- I want to sprinkle the garbage and make it harder for the boil rats to follow us. That's what I'm doing. And and I'm giving and I'm giving Hilda tips while I'm doing it. Like, okay, Hilda, when you're being chased, you want to make sure to uh, Obscure the ground they're chasing you on and put obstacles in their way because that way it makes it a lot harder for them to catch up to you. I've done this a lot. Yeah, so you are going to spill a bunch of garbage? Yeah, I'm spilling a bunch of garbage. Would that be take action or would that be a different thing? Let's do take action because it is a pretty fierce thing to do to just throw things around. This is pretty aggressively physical, pretty direct. You're not being methodical about it. You are just no. I'm just picking up shit and throwing it. Yeah, like I don't want the possums to get me. All right, I have zero and fierce, so that's four. That is a failure. So wait, I have a question. Can I use my loaded dice? Because I know at the beginning I rolled a mixed success, so I want to use Loaded Die. Absolutely! So, Loaded Dice is a move where Ari rolls at the beginning of the adventure and stores the result, which for this adventure was, I believe, a mixed success. She can then replace any roll with the one she did at the beginning of the session. Typically, you have to declare moves before rolling. This move is one of the exceptions. So, Ari, how did you somehow set things up ahead of time <laughs> so that things would go from kind of bad to okay. And mind you, the context here is Sparky is lagging behind, slathering everything with garbage. Right, to like trip them up and stuff. Yeah, so how did you load it so that Sparky won't succeed? Yeah. But Sparky will at least not fail. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I want to say like he's like maybe throwing something, but accidentally, not necessarily something like on purpose that like adds to the things that Sparky had, but also can make Sparky trip. Maybe like he grabbed a bunch, like he has the one card he needs and that's in his like safe pocket, but he grabbed a lot of other stuff when like trying to get the cards and stuff. So like there's a lot of Necromon cards that aren't the pick pick. I choose you. And they're just like falling down as he's running. And you. Because it's like there's just too much like loaded weight. Like what is this trash that I have? I don't need this. And then throwing it out. Yeah. So the Boidle Rat are catching up and they're going to get you because Sparky's just so behind laying out garbage and they're following. Sparky left a trail of breadcrumbs for them. And it looks like they're going to catch up. But then you hear a voice from around the corner say, What's the hell are you doing? Don't grab trash, grab necromon cards, they are more valuable. Except for that, I like I like how that coat works. Please get that coat back for me. I would like that coat, please. And that hat. And what happens if you roll a mixed success? Both clocks fail. 
Yay! You are now chasing along the side of the lake, and they are eventually catching up with you. They've thinned out a bit, but not substantially enough that anything has changed. Hilda is going to, because we are in a position of trash where, like, bits of confetti and shredded balloon and whatnot are around, Hilda is going to quickly try to set a little snare for the possums. <laughs> no. Basically like a stretched out rubber band catapult, but it's like a lot of confetti and shit piled in it. Would I be able to use take action to do this? Because it's going to require quick and decisive work to, like, set this up. I would say for something like this, it would be probably closer to keep your cool because you have to do something like methodical. God fucking damn it. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. This is, does this count as acting against Rasputin? Do I get my plus one ongoing? Yeah. Yeah. Anything you do is acting against Rasputin. Okay. That's a five. Total failure. Yeah, you're tying it. How are you failing to keep your cool to, like, maintain? This is extraordinarily scary. Hilda has never in her life been attacked by a swarm of necromon in a cave led by a deceased man. A deceased man. And the adults are not doing a good job of reassuring her right now because everyone is running for their lives. Okay, well... And that's not their fault, but Hilda is freaking out. She's not keeping her cool, and the snare won't set... And eventually she has to just abandon it and keep running again in despair, having like lost a lot of time. So you abandon the snare, you run away, but you do hear like, ah, like a, a sound behind you. And we see a skeleton leg in the snare. And then Kike has to jump back a few feet, reattach his leg and catch up with the rest of you. <laughs> God. You have two more to fill. He has two more to fill. What are you going to do? <laughs> okay. At this point, you are running back. You've made it way through the trees. The light is illuminating around you. It is pulsing. The necromon in the vicinity are kind of chasing along. It's like a stampede running alongside you, but the real stampede is behind you. So the leg thing, if you can idea that, you know, doesn't always work because he has to time it properly, but he's going to try to take his arm out and shape it like a boomerang <laughs> and throw it at the possum so that it's kind of like a bowling thing like and so that it then like goes back to him i don't know if that's a thing that can be made but i don't have any other roll idea. me a take a swing you're going to hit somebody yeah that's a seven all right so you you go and you throw it at them and they catch it. And then they start like fighting over your arm and their teeth like dogs. Well, that doesn't always work. What's a long shot? You'll get that arm back eventually somehow, but it's not going to be on screen. Both of your clocks fill by one. This next turn, you will escape or he will catch you. This is your last action. You each have one left. Okay. Does anybody have any idea? How we could spelunk our way out of this. Aren't you the expert? This is me, Hallie, asking you. This is me asking the players. Oh, I thought that was Sparky. I'm so sorry. I'm so mad because that was such a perfect Kike line, too. <laughs> I thought that it was. And as, as Kike says that, Sparky, you find yourself... Yeah, Kyle's going to edit that to a Sparky line now. Motherfucker. It's happened again. You find yourself at the cave. So you're there at the bottom, there is the rope. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think we can frame a climb like this as splunking adjacent. Well, because it is climbing in a cave. The problem is that it only allows me to get up faster, but I don't want to try to slow down the possums again because that didn't work the first time, and I don't want to. I think we can just say that you're just showing us how to do it faster. Can I? Can I just be like a hustle teacher? Like, all right, all right, Kike, I know that you're just bones, but you have to do it this way. And then Hilda, Hilda, no, no, widen your stance a little bit, honey. There, yeah, there, you go. I can argue that helps him go faster because he doesn't want to hear Sparky <laughs> saying all of these things. You see, Kike, I am the expert. You gotta listen to me. He's like trying to like go faster to like lose whatever she is saying, so he can just get out of here. So we do have helping rules, but that would be more if Ari was like, I'm going to climb. And then you are like, I'm going to help. Because that's not what's happening, your role is encouraging everyone else. The closest approximation we have is help an NPC heart. And since you are basically being a motivational teacher, I would say that would be what you would roll with. I would roll with heart. Glad we're gambling our lives on one Hallie roll as well. Hey, because of my wild card stat loadout, I have plus two in heart. And you get advantage because it's spelunking. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Here I go. Spelunk! Malaita! I, I think that's just means two sixes. It's two sixes! Oh, thank God. It's critical success. It's okay. two sixes. I got the good one. I got Malaita. I wasn't sure if it was a critical success. It's a critical success. I got a good, that's my new, yeah, listeners, Malaita. As the swarm gets behind you, the blue light completely disappears. And instead you just see a tunnel filled with Boidal Rat. How do you get out? Oh man, Um. so so Sparky's showing Hilda and Kike how to climb and they're doing great because she's just doing such a good job of like being the coach or whatever. And like Sparky, She's climbing up after them, a little bit under them, but as she's doing it, she's just winding the rope up behind her because she's good enough at spelunking and cave climbing that she can do that passive-aggressive move while she's also being a badass and climbing up beneath them. And then while she's doing it, I want her to do like a little um, salute down to Rasputin because she's getting, fuck you Rasputin, that's, that's what that means. What are you saluting for? We're coming up as well, just Annie, not, not so close. Where is Vasputl? Where is Vasputl? Lexi, Maria, Tatiana. And he is screaming at these Boidle Rat as they slowly rise. It's just a bunch of Boidle Rat rising up the tunnel. Oh my God. But eventually get too tight at the top of the tunnel and where there was a hole, Instead, there is just a flat surface full of packed up boidal rats. Okay, And then a single skeleton head poking out. <laughs> Can I smack it with my Smackbook Pro? Smackbook Pro? <laughs> just for fun. Ow! I mean, I, I do not feel pain, but emotionally. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, I don't care. And she's gonna orient herself the way that she did when she climbed out of the bush earlier, except now it's way worse because this was spelunking being chased by Rasputin and an army of possums. Turns around and goes, okay, I think they're stuck. So uh, thanks to me, and she looks at Kike while she says that, we can uh, we can get out of here. And then um, she's going to go up to Hilda and like, take both of her shoulders and gently steer her back towards wherever her van, I assume she drove in her van here, is and be like, okay, okay, I think 
We did good. Did you get, is that a, is that, is that a, are you okay? I don't know. I think so. I, and Hilda is going to be like trying to like pet and stroke Booker's spine, but is also like sniffling and says, Recoup? I'm sorry, Sparky. I was really scary and I lost so much stuff down there. I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my moms. Oh, oh, Hilda, Hilda. <laughs> just a part of journalism you lose stuff but it was a lot all the time it's okay it's okay listen just tell them um you're not bullied at school are you well not yet but <laughs> school has started yet <laughs> because sparky's immediate go-to was like just tell them the school building stole it <laughs> all right um just say you uh let me borrow it i am borrowing your school books for research Mm. what else what else did you lose we can replace whatever you lost it's fine you didn't lose any cars did you because i think that necromon really likes you Recoob. are you okay booker Recoob. and booker's like when he realized that hilda was upset he started kind of snuggling up a little more like it feels kind of bad seemingly for a book <laughs> she's gonna snuggle back with booker say I don't want to lie to my moms. Would you mind coming to talk to them with me, Sparky? No. <laughs> Whether that is no, I wouldn't mind, or no, I'm not going, is unclear to Sparky as well as anybody listening. Hilda looks on in confusion, and she'll just sort of like wipe away definitely not tears and just say, you were really brave back there, Booker. I'm sorry I didn't give you a chance to show your stuff. Recoob. He says in agreement <laughs> that he's cool. You don't look so good right now, but do you want to come with me? I can help you get back on your feet. And she's going to pull out a necro card and say, Wanna, wanna be my necromon? Recoob. All right, then we have made a pact. And in response, the book starts to shine with that bluish white light. The ribbons go back in, and the pages furl back into regular legible pages. And in front of you, instead of Booker, you have Babka Anya's book. But the light stays there for a second. Because as we said, every Necromon card has to have your name written on it. And on the front cover, the blue light fades around the little sticker that your Babka had you put on it that says, This book belongs to... Hilda Miscavige. And uh, as you all get up and ready to go, today's adventure, while harrowing, seems to be... Uh, now wait just one second before you go anywhere! Yeah, wait one second, wait one second, one second, one second! From out of fucking nowhere, these two men appear. They're wearing khaki shorts, sunglasses, and these Hawaiian aloha shirts. One of them is an extremely muscular man. He looks like an upside down triangle. While the other one has more of like the 40s dad bod. Like he looks like a pear with the stomach and the ill-fitting mustache. You know, the Magnum P.I. look. And the muscular one says, Sorry to stop you there, little lady, but uh, we got a dangerous crime scene here. So if everyone will just stay calm for one second, stay calm. Y'all gotta stay calm for one second. One second, everybody. Okay? Got a dangerous criminal in these parts. Well, that's interesting. Sparky's already getting out her little notebook. Yeah, dangerous criminal around these parts, but don't worry. 
The Undertakers are here! And both of these men take out these badges that are like clipped onto their belt and have the little like pull-on thing on them. Take out their badges, which are for the Bureau of Intermortal Enforcement, or BITE for short. And they say, I'm round 13! I'm round 12! And we're the Bad Now, just stay there a little bit. We got a dangerous criminal here. You may have heard of him, Rasputin. Dangerous guy, dangerous guy, but don't worry. We're here to take care of it. Well, then you'll be happy to know we already have. That's a funny joke, ma'am. That's a funny joke. You're funny. Well, that's true. I am very hilarious, but no, that's... You don't need to act brave around me, ma'am. We're here to take care of everything, all right? All right. Uh-huh. Hey, round 12. Yeah, round 13. You find him yet? Well, <laughs> it was pretty tough, but, uh, got him. And, uh, you can see his arm. His hand is around Kike's arm. Oh, for God's sake. Which arm? <laughs> the one he has. And he says, you, you Rasputin, you aren't going to threaten anyone with your dangerous tax evasion ever again. Tax evasion. Tax evasion, most dangerous crime. That's what they get you on. Identity theft is no joke. Okay, um... Which, it's, that's not what tax evasion is, but they're brothers, like us, the Rons. We're not actually brothers, but like, brothers in blood, in blood. No, I mean not in bond. Brothers in bond. That's what we are. Ron squad. Well, uh... Do we even uh, have a, you know... I know saying picture is kind of irrelevant in this sort of situations, but... We know what a skeleton looks like. Is every single skeleton in Necropolis Rasputin? No, Rasputin, Rasputin's got a... You got a beard, of course. Yeah, got you there, didn't I? Hey, Ron! What's that, Ron? I found him! You can see the other Ron, Ron 12, has already left you. He's already left your side, and he's now actually found actual Rasputin. He's like, unhand me. Those things were not legally mine, just (laughs) metaphorically mine. (laughs) Don't worry. See, Ron Squad, looking out for you. Looking out for us? Looking out for you. Ma'am, we just took a dangerous criminal off the streets. Okay, um, yeah. You're welcome. uh, uh Uh-huh. Congratulations. Um, could I get, could I get, uh, uh, um, and your names were Ron 13 and Ron 12? I'm Ron 13. That's Ron 12. I'm Ron 12. That's Ron 13. They'd start numbering us because there were too many Rons. Too many Rons. Too many Rons. Too many Rons. Okay. Too many Rons. Yeah. Uh And, um, who is your, who is your supervisor? That came out way too Sharon. Uh, Sharon? And, and you report to, uh, whom? Report to John. To John. Yeah, yeah, poor, poor John's. Too many Rons, too many Johns. Yeah, Johns, they go all the way up to 117. <laughs> right, right. All right, you have a fun day there, little lady. We'll be okay, on our way. Okay. Haven't made you safe. Yeah, where's your office? Where's your office at? And they're off. Oh, but where's your office? They're off. Well, they're worse at answering questions than you. Oh, he's gone. Like, he didn't stay. He was already <laughs> gone. And I was going to say that he was gone. And it's like, he grabbed Kiki. And I'm like, I guess he dragged him back because he was already gone. I was going to even justify like, oh, he's not here in this tender book moment. Like, he doesn't have any reason to stay. <laughs> tender book moment. And seeing Kike is also gone, Sparky just screams. <laughs> ah! Okay, 
you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Um, Hilda, Hilda, honey. Okay, so we will go to um, let's let's. Do you want to go home first, or do you want to come over for some later raid? Snacks would be nice. Yeah. So KK goes to do something with his new hollow foil necromon far, far away from you. And you two go off to talk about Booker and the adventures you had today. As the Ron squad tries getting Rasputin out or as much of him as out as they can from inside the Boidle rats. Gross. But you, your moms, and the Rons aren't the only ones who are going to be aware of the events of today's date. Because in the corner, we hear the little word of a security camera pointed towards the hole with the letters S and C emblazoned on them. And somewhere else, in some room, a figure sits in a chair and taps his fingers. And someone else some employee in the white scuba core trench coat walks up to him and says, Oh, set! Great news! We found the Necromon. That's the end of the session. I'm so hyped. Rod Squad. Rod Squad. And out of character, this is the Necromon you are trying to catch. It is just a Dick Dick <laughs> or a Chevre Train. It's called a Pick Pick, though, because Dick Dick sounds bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you made that a Necromon because that thing is already a Necromon. Uh, it doesn't have any Chihuahua features, but I combined it with the Chihuahua in that it's always shaking, even when it's not afraid. I mean, you don't know if the Dick Dick isn't always shaking. <laughs> like, it's so small. You, you, you got me there. <laughs> Mark one for Ari, 13 minutes into episode one. I got an AP. Actually, I don't think I did. <laughs> no, don't give me... You, no, Ari did not get an AP. Don't worry. You will have lots of opportunities. 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 Fuck, opportunity points would be a good term, but OP doesn't sound super great, so... Mm, that doesn't sound, yeah. HP. Opportunities. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought that was oh, the pun you were making. Opportunity oh. points. Opportunity points. Ah. Tom and Hallie, I asked you to describe your fucking characters. You, you did. I was you waiting did. for we, Tom to go. I was very distracted by everything that was going on. <laughs> so, um... I kind of want to save maybe this as a for future video thing because the face Hallie made of like expectation, like you better <laughs> give it to me. It was, that, I'm the only one here. It's mine. It was an exquisite face. That That is definitely a Patreon video. The face Hallie fucking made when it's like, who do you give the AP to? My parents are going to love that. No! Why would you say that? Get clowned on, Hallie. They don't get to... They don't... Get, no! <laughs> they love you. I do not wish to be perceived. <laughs> Except that I allow myself to be filmed. The desire to be known, yet the horror of being perceived. <laughs> Look, this is peak casually approach child. Yeah. <laughs> it is peak casually approach child. Out of a bush that I was hiding in. For minutes at a time. <laughs> With a net. Kike? 
is that that's not my voice kike is that you that is also <laughs> not my voice but i'm sticking with it that'll be breathier <laughs> kike so british is it british god damn it okay sparky snaps back to it well, that's good, because otherwise Kike was going to do this, like, fucking prisoner situation where he would, like, try to tie Sparky to him so that she doesn't wander away as he tries to find a way back to Hilda. So I'm glad he was, like, about to thinking how to do that. So he's even going to be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> if you give a mouse a necro cookie, it was right there. <laughs> if you give a mouse a necro cookie, mouse. it's if you give a mouse a cookie combined with the like <laughs> fascist mouse book mouse no. if you give a mouse a cookie oh no no please don't do this i'm so glad that rasputin just lives in a fucking cave with his trash yeah, with his little with his it's <laughs> like what have you brought me my precious collecting scoop of corn jackets Christ. I love it so much. What an incredible thing you've done. Holy shit. Love this Doofenshmirtz <laughs> Rasputin. Doofenshmirtz Rasputin. <laughs> this is fucking possum army. He's pretty great. Also, I'll say Booker does, just so Hallie doesn't lose it, Booker does have the ID as well. That dropped with him. I was fully, I was, I was fully gonna be like, chokes on you, don't give a shit. <laughs> and walk away. What's Hilda had her stuff? Booker is chewing on that a little bit. I knew it! <laughs> It doesn't have to be the ending line. That's how Sparky responds. I was just very proud of the line, protect the rutabaga or the world ends. Save the cheerleader, save the world. <laughs> I was thinking, save the cheerleader, save the world. Save the rutabaga, save the world. 